Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Um, Let's jump into the Word this morning. I've been in a series called Kingdom House. We've been talking about it. Again, uh, if if you don't have a booklet, uh, Chris, I don't know if you explained, those booklets are for the notes that we're taking throughout the service. So we've been going through those every week. Uh, If you need one, put your hand up. Ushers will get you one. Um, We spent money, a lot of money, to print them, so take care of them. Again, like I said, if if you have three of them in the back seat of your car, I am not going to pray for you, okay? (laughs) Take care of God's stuff. No, I'm kidding. Seriously, if you need one, just put your hand up, and we'll get one to you. Okay, Um, today we're talking about God's supernatural power, God's supernatural power. This is a subject we're going to dive into, and I'm just asking the Lord to do what he wants to do today. I'm asking Jesus to just be with us in this service and to guide us through whatever he has planned for this moment, for this service, for you, for where you're at in your life, for where you're at in this season, for what you're walking through. I've told this story before, and I'm not sure when I I told it, I think recently in the last couple of months, but I'm just going to give you a short version of it. Long story short, I was, I was about 20 years ago, I was in the restaurant business and I was managing a restaurant and had staff and employees and just a whole life with this crew of people. Um, and in that season, uh, I, was, I was falling into a pretty dark and discouraged place and uh, I was just not living spiritually up to the place I should be, right? It's, you can have knowledge but you're not acting on it. You can know Jesus is Lord, but you're not pursuing him, right? You can know you were called to be light in the darkness, and it's not like I was doing anything crazy. Those days were behind me, but I had certainly lowered my level of expectation of God daily. Like as long as I was like in the kingdom, that's about as, as far as it was going for me. I'm saved, and I'm just kind of there, not really expecting anything of God, not, not really following his heart daily. Are you with me? Right? And I'm in this place, and God sends this man who ends up being my general manager. And long story short, he ends up prophesying over me. Don't know him. He knows nothing about me. And after he's been there about two weeks, he just kind of just lays into me and just starts reading my mail, saying stuff that only, he, only God could know. And he had no insight or connection to me whatsoever. So it's not like he kind of knew me and then he just wanted to encourage me or he kind of knew some things about me and wanted to say this. No, he read my mail like like Jesus was coming tomorrow and I better get in line. And it was a powerful, powerful moment because it's that moment, God's power in that moment that shifted me to make decisions to leave the industry that I was in and then prepare myself and put myself in a position to be ready for what God had for me next which was pastoring people at the church that I went to when I was growing up. This is in the middle of of being part of a church, okay? Um, Let me give you another story. Last week, uh, I had a bunch of people over to my house, several people who are part of our worship and our tech team. We did a big old barbecue for them. Uh, Everybody ate. Nobody got sick, thank God. And um, 
it's just a great time. And someone comes up to me and says, hey, uh, this is my first time meeting you. And uh, I've actually met you. Well, she's in my first time meeting you here at the church, but I actually met you long ago. I said, well, how long ago? And she said, well, you know, back in like the mid-2000s when I was in middle school, you were a youth pastor. And I said, okay, well, tell me the story. She says, I came up to the front of a service. You called people up for prayer. And when you, you asked people for prayer, I was a middle school kid. My, my parents were going through a divorce. Uh, and I was having these tormenting nightmares Day in and day out, that just would not stop. And you said for people to come up for prayer if they were dealing with anything. And so you prayed for me. And when you prayed for me, I, she goes, I didn't know it was you. She goes, I came to Grace Avenue and started asking people, because uh, they were asking me about my salvation experience and when I'd gone to church. And she says, I put two and two together. And I just remember it was a guy who had long hair. <laughs> that was me. And it was a guy who was a youth pastor. That was me. And it was at this time. That, and they put two and two together for me that it was you who prayed for me. She goes, you actually gave me my first Bible, and I still have that Bible today. But after you prayed for me, I never had those specific tormenting nightmares again. Okay? And, and this was just another act of God's power. Um, I remember one time... Around that same time, I was preaching in a young adult service at a young adult ministry as well as a youth ministry. And, you know, every, every time, every Thursday night or whatever, it'd be like 100, 120 young adults just together, and I, I, was, I would always be preaching to them. And this is when I was starting my uh, preaching journey, and I didn't know if I was a good communicator or a bad one, but all I knew was I was giving it my best shot. And I was very hard on myself at the time. I really wasn't caught up in what God is doing. I was more consumed with how I sounded, Right? And in that moment, I remember I preached a message, came off the stage, and I was incredibly frustrated with myself, just thinking, I can do better than this. What is the matter with me? Why do I always get this wrong? Why do I trip up here and there? And I remember as soon as I was saying, I was literally saying those words, they were coming out of my mouth. You could tell how spiritual I was at the time. Uh, as they're coming out of my mouth, a guy comes up to me and says, uh, hey, do you remember me? I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. And he said, yeah, you, I, I met you last year right after service. You prayed for me. I said, oh, wow, I don't remember this. Tell me what. And he goes, well, I was, I was struggling with what I'm supposed to do next, where I'm supposed to go, uh, and, and you prayed. And, and when you preached this message that night after you prayed, God gave me clarity that I'm to go and do this. And I've been in... Um, I've been in Afghanistan, I've been in India for a year, and I'm getting ready to go to Afghanistan for the, next, for the next year, for the upcoming year. And the message that you spoke and the prayer that you prayed, God used that to change my life in that moment and, and launch me into what he had next for me. Now, I'm just giving you a, a few examples of how God's power has worked through my life with me unaware. Me just being present, me just being alive, <laughs> accessible, uh, and just sometimes not even desiring the things of God's power or God's spirit, but just God finding me in moments where he wants to do something to me, say something to me, uh, use me in a way that maybe I wasn't prepared to be used. Uh, let, me give you, let me give you another story. I was, um, this was, I was in my early 20s. 
I uh, wasn't married yet, but um, I had been saved, and so I was no longer into, you know, drugs and craziness and alcohol and partying and just the whole life that I was into, right? But I kind of was still into a little bit of gambling, okay? And um, I didn't find that as great of a sin as the other things, right? Because those aren't hurting anybody, anybody else. They're just hurting my bank account, right? Uh, now, for those who are like, does the pastor have a gambling problem? I have not gambled in over 25 years, okay? Not real gambling, at least. No, I'm kidding. No. There's nothing. Don't worry about it, okay? Um, but, but I was in a season, and I got to be careful with the details here because people knew me at that time, so I got I to I I I hold on to this carefully. But I remember I was, let's just say this. I drove, and I was in another city 12 hours away, 12 hours away, and I'm in this casino at 2 in the morning. <laughs> Those are Daniel hours. Hey, if y'all like to party, y'all would have had a good time with me back in the day. I'm telling you, we would have made some memories. 2 in the morning, and this guy who I had met in some of these gambling encounters, 12 hours in another city that I never knew. The only time I would run into him was when I would go into this casino. And I ran into him there, and we start talking. I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? Well, funny seeing you here type thing, right? Of course. Uh, two addicts, like, hanging out gambling in the middle of nowhere, 12 hours away, like, in this one city. And, but here's the thing. First of all, it felt weird that I ran into him immediately. I, first of all, I was saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing uh, Nobody knows I'm doing this, and I should not be doing this, but nobody knows, so it's okay, right? Uh, and it's not the bad stuff I used to do. It's just kind of bad stuff, right? It, it's not being a good steward of God's money, but, but I'm having fun, right? So you go through all these things when you're young and stupid. So there I am, and he says something to me in this moment. He, he asked me this question. He says, man, it's so funny running into you here, but dude, with... With all the, the good you have in your life, what are you doing in a place like this? I'm telling you, when he said that, this guy wasn't saved. When he said that, the conviction of the Holy Spirit came upon me so deeply. I felt like Peter who had denied Jesus when the rooster crowed. Because I knew that I knew that I knew I should not be here. I know I should not be here. I have no business here. I don't want anybody to see me here. God knows I'm not supposed to be here. And God's going to use his power to send someone who doesn't even know him or believe in him to convict me of what I should not be doing. God's power. And I can give you story after story of, of prophetic words, uh, dreams God has given. I'm just giving you stories of my experiences with God's power, visions and dreams and prophetic things, okay? Now, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. It says this, for the kingdom of God, now as Christians, that's what we live in, obviously, the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. This is what this Christian life is supposed to be. It's not a bunch of sermons it's not just a bunch of notes. It's not just a bunch of content. It's not just a bunch of information. It's not just theology. It's not history. It's not philosophy. It's not ideas. It is living. You and I living by God's power.
power. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. This is the man who met Jesus on the Damascus Road, who was denying Christ, rejecting Christ. And Christ comes to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And saves this man, changes his life. He becomes Paul and Two-thirds of the New Testament is written by Paul. Paul is a man who was impacted by God's power. Now, go to this next verse. It should be there uh, in your notes too. Ephesians 3.20, through his mighty power at work within us, he's able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. Through his mighty power at work within us, uh, not through my intellect, not just through my gifts, not just through my talent, not just through my hopes or dreams, not just through my abilities, but through his mighty power that's at work within me as a Christian. It's already at work. He, not me, he is able to accomplish infinitely more, far more than I would ever dare ask or hope. Okay, so what am I trying to say today? That, that we are not Christians who are just living with this spiritual accumulation of information, spiritual information. We're daily to be living by God's power. This is not just phil philosophical conversations about some, some far off spiritual life that we can have someday. God is saying this is in you. This is at work in you, whether you recognize it or not, whether you agree with it or not, if you are saved, God's power is and wants to work through your life. And God is working by his mighty power to do things that are not just centered on you, they're centered around what he's doing around you. See, this is where we get stuck as Christians. We always bring our prayers back to us and how they affect us, rather than what God is doing through us. There are some, some apostles who died and were beheaded. I don't think they were praying all their prayers just to get them out of that situation. I think they knew their lives were set for a cause. And they were martyred. And because of that martyrdom, we now live in the faith that they died for. Are you with me, right? And so the New Testament and the book of Acts specifically show us that Christianity at its foundations and at its roots, it's a supernatural life. It's a supernatural life, an otherworldly life. And if we look at the Bible, we see that we serve a God who calls people to live lives of power, signs, wonders, miracles, healings, prophecies, transformations, deliverances, salvation from sin, deliverance from hell, new joy, a new covenant, new hope, new life. Like that's not a boring life. But Christianity so often is reduced to me and my problems. And that's a very small world to live in. I want to tell you this. If you've got some problems today in your life, God can still use you by his power. But if you shrink all of your life down to your problems, you would deplete the power immensely. Okay? Look, when we look at the Old Testament, we see that we serve a God of the supernatural. He takes ordinary people and then does something extraordinary with them. From Moses to Abraham to Gideon, people who thought things about themselves, people who did not have the character that we would say is worthy of a leader 
or the gifts or the talents that are worthy that a leader should have. It's not someone we'd put up on a pedestal. It, 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 was, it was men and women of God who were used mightily, mightily by God in their ordinariness, but they were touched supernaturally by God. Now in Christ, you and I now have that same power. The Bible says that we now live with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in us. It says that the resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in us. Now lives in us. What I'm saying is that we need God's power to accomplish everything in life. Okay, that's the first point. We need God's power for living. God gives you power for living. Us trying to do the the life of of Christ, of Christianity, of, of serving him, of knowing him, of loving him, of being salt, of being light. To do this whole thing that we, we know is the right thing, we cannot do without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't. God takes our natural lives and our natural abilities, and then he anoints them, he empowers us, he transforms us to do supernatural things. Now, as Christians, we're supposed to be cognizant of the fact that we live in, in two worlds at the same time. We live in the natural world, but we also live in the, in the supernatural world. We live in the natural world, but we also live in the spiritual world, right? And we're supposed, to be under, we're supposed to understand that there's the natural world that's governed by natural laws, and then there's the supernatural world that's governed by supernatural laws, right? We're supposed to understand, because Jesus told us this, there's a kingdom of darkness, Right? And then there's the kingdom of light. And Jesus would go as far as saying at this. He goes, my kingdom is not of this world. But here's the problem. We live in this world. And this world is governed by natural laws. And this, girl, this world is, is dealing with the powers of darkness. Now don't tell me that you don't see what's going on in the news with all the weird stuff with kids and all the craziness and the perversion and the grossness and the demonic stuff going on, and say, well, I'm just going to go over here and build a little life for myself and try to ignore that and avoid that. The depths of depravity and evil are creeping in more than they ever have, and they're being celebrated. Now, what is it going to take to change that? Philosophy? The law? A new president? New state legislation? What it's going to take is God's power to transform evil and that which was meant for evil and turn it for good. For God to deliver people of their demons and their filth and what's going on in them because the world corrodes and corrodes and corrodes and then celebrates it. Not living by God's power, but living in their sin, okay? So Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, there's a spiritual world. There's a supernatural world that's at work. And in Christ, we're supposed to be Cognizant of that and devoted to living by these spiritual laws and the supernatural laws of God's kingdom. Okay, here's how Jesus started it. He said it this way, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what is he saying? Hey, tortillas aren't enough after church today. <laughs> Fajitas are not enough. Tacos are not enough. Pizza's not enough. Like food is not enough. He's saying that there is something else your spirit needs. And he goes, and it is the words of the living God. 
That's the supernatural food that your body needs, that you need to do this life. He said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. He's not talking naturally. He's talking spiritually. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, the rightness of God, the right standing with God. Those who hunger and thirst for that, they're going to be filled. When you find yourself hungering and thirsting for things that are not of God, you've got to ask yourself why you keep going back to things that leave you empty that leave you starving, that leave you depleted. Like gambling at two in the morning, 12 hours away in a casino. (laughs) I lost a lot of money as a single man, I'm just gonna say that. Okay, 1 Peter chapter one, uh, verse eight. Though you have not seen him, you love him. He's talking about the Lord. He's talking about Jesus. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now, I just want you to, to pause for a moment. Because at the, at the root and the foundation and the essence of all of our Christianity, in life, in death, in suffering, in loss, in prosperity, in, in um, difficulty, adversity... This is our foundation right here. This verse, there's an inexpressible, unspeakable joy, a glorious joy, something that, it's like, I can't even put words to it. That's what it's basically saying. That something in us is so deep, something so transformative that God has done, and though we haven't seen him, we believe in him, right? Even though we don't see him now, we believe in him and we're filled with this sense of joy and passion, okay, that is the transformation of God's Holy Spirit in our lives. The transfer, I'm sorry, the transformation of our lives by God's Holy Spirit. Now ask yourself, is that how I'm living? Is that how I'm getting up in the morning? And I got to ask myself this regularly when life weighs down. Am I really living in the very inexpressible joy that is described as God's power in my life. Like on my deathbed, all the stress goes away, right? Can't really do anything anymore. Time is up. Going to meet the Lord. Like I don't want to wait till my deathbed to be at peace, to live in the glory and the power that God had for me. That all of a sudden now I'm like, ah, this is kind of nice. All I see is Jesus. All the stress has gone away. Well, of course, you're dying. (laughs) You're going to meet Jesus. You can't do anything about the stress and the problems and the issues. Your your race has been run. And in that moment, there will be an inexpressible joy because you're going to meet the Lord. You get to stand before him. You get to be in his presence forever. So we have to ask ourselves, is there an inexpressible and glorious joy in us? And if the answer is no, we need God's power. We need God's power to live. See, all the work of God in our life is supernatural. Like when God saves you, he changes you. And then the Bible says that we go from grace to grace to grace, from glory to glory, faith to faith. We're growing in this sanctifying work of God's powerful Holy Spirit, which means where I start with Jesus is not where I'm going to be in a year. And then another year I'm going to be in another place. And another year I'm going to be different. And another year I'm going to be different. 
So that means when you get moments where you're like busted by the Holy Spirit in the casino, (laughs) seriously, that's not the end of the story. When God says, I'm going to go 12 hours to find you, to show you how much I love you, to show you you can't hide from the call that I have on your life. You cannot hide from the anointing I've put on you and what I've got for your generation and the generation that's going to be touched through you and your kids and your grandkids. Janelle's grandparents used to plant churches uh, as missionaries in Mexico. Tons and tons of churches. She hardly even knew her. He passed when you were what, like two, three? She never knew her grandfather. All she hears is these stories. But she would hear these stories about he would continually pray for her. And pray about her future. He never even got to know know her. He never got to see her grow into who God called her to be. See, sometimes the life that you're living and the prayers that you're praying, you won't even get to see the fruit of the very things you've lived for and prayed for. It's for another generation. And it's God's power that will work through you to change others. John chapter 1 I'm not sure if I have these verses up there. I do. There we go. John gave his testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. He's talking about when Jesus is being baptized. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So what is he saying? He's saying that there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit that the Lord Jesus Christ does in our lives. And it's something that is real. It's something that is transformative. It's something that is an inner work. It's something that is powerful. And it's something that he does. It's not something I do, it's something that he does. It's a gift he gives. Now, we read in scripture so much about our spiritual gifts, and we read the things about prophecy and visions, and we hear other people's stories. Uh, Have you ever heard uh, other people's stories about how God is moving in in your life and you feel like you're in kindergarten? Your silence is telling, yes. (laughs) There should be a hunger and a desire for God's power, God's supernatural power. Like at some point we have to quit complaining and whining like the American church. I can't find a church I can connect to. I just can't find people to connect to. I can't find this. I can't find that. Like I just went and I didn't like the worship and I just went and I don't really like the preaching. I just, and all these people are this and all these people are perfect and I'm not and all these people, they got this and they're all happy. And like, dude, nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. They're living their lives for God and for others, and you're lost in self. Well, I want to go to a church that cares. They do care. They care about people. People who are hurting, people who are lost, people who need help, people who are suffering, people who are in the hospital. But there's a a self in this generation that I've, I've never seen before. Just chasing spiritual experiences. We can't really find it at this church, so we're going to go over here and we're going to look for here. Oh, we've been here for three years, and now we're going to go over here. And we're gonna... Am I being cynical enough for you? It is old. It's old, and the, di- the last generation did this, 
And it splintered churches all over the place and caused all kinds of division like you can't believe. People starting knew this and knew that, all in the name of God. And really what it was is it's just a chance to feed self and have spiritual experiences that have nothing to do with reaching the world or discipling people or serving people. It's like, how can I get a new dose of the awesomeness of God's power every service instead of trusting that maybe God wants to use you beyond these four walls to reach a world that is lost and broken? See, if you believe for that, God has pathways he's carved for you. And they may be bloody and they may be messy. But if you really want to be used by God, it's going to take his power. If you really just want to sit in church all your life, and not have God's power, that's available to you as well. But it'll get boring and it'll get old. And then you'll blame the people or you'll blame the church or you'll blame the pastor or the spiritual or you're going through a wilderness. No, you've never stepped in and desired God's power to be used for something more than just what you get from God. Second point is God gives you power to be his witness. He gives you power to be his witness. See, see we are at, at the heart, it is, a, it is a sending God who reaches people. And he does that in different ways. Some of you are introverted, some of you are extroverted, some of you are artists, some of you are in business, some of you are in the, in the medical field, some of you are in counseling, some of you, you're in different avenues that God places you. He sends and he places. And the gifts on your life correlate with the spiritual gifts on your life and together those work in this world, in supernatural ways where God can bless others through your life, touch others through your life. See, Ephesians 3.20, I want to go to that verse again. Through his mighty power at work within us, he's able to accomplish more, infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or hope. Third point, God gives you power for more. He gives you power for more. Without the power of God, you will never get done what needs to get done, what needs to get done in your life. Because without the power of God, there will always be a hurdle too large, a mountain too big, a pothole that's just too, too hard to navigate around. Without the power of God, this is so hard is the statement where we're supposed to recognize, I don't have what it takes. I need something more than what I can see, what I'm believing for, what I'm, I'm experiencing in this moment. See, and without the power of God, you'll quit. You know, disappointment is one of the, 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 the greatest weights on the human soul. Not just tragedies, not just difficulties. I'm talking disappointment because disappointment is quiet and it works to unseat your faith. And it works to unseat what God said. And it works to unseat what God is doing and what God wants to do. It wants to eradicate the promise from your heart and from your mind. When it gets really tough, get on your knees and ask for God's power. And you won't lose the position. You won't lose your placement. You'll recenter yourself. out of time. I want to say this. There have been times in my life 
And I seem to find myself coming back to this bridge often where I think I've, I've got enough, I'm smart enough, I've worked long enough, I know enough to get me through this. And it, I always come up short. And I always come up right to the edge of depression and frustration and anger again and then find myself realizing, oh, I'm weak. But God's okay with that. Because he says, in my weakness, he will show himself strong. He is my strength and my weakness. But in my weakness, I want to be powerful. But in my weakness, God says, I want to be powerful. Then in my weakness, I'm going, but God, I want to be powerful. And then God's saying, but I am powerful. You want to, but I am. You hope to, but I am. And there's a power that I desire for our church to walk in and live in. So that you're parenting by God's power. Leading your business by God's power. You're overcoming temptation by God's power. You're receiving the love and the grace of God every day for yourself. No matter what you think of yourself, you are bringing yourself back to the beauty of what was done on the cross where you don't you see yourself in light of your sin and your past and your brokenness, but you see yourself as received and loved and accepted by God the Father. Last story here with, with when Jesus is being baptized. Okay, this is God's power. This is where it starts. He's being baptized. A dove descends from heaven. The Holy Spirit rests upon Jesus. What is the first thing it's representative of the Holy Spirit, God's power, that happens? The first thing is the Father's love rests upon God. The Father's affirmation. The acceptance and pleasure of God. He says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't ministered yet. He hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't accomplished anything yet. He hadn't reached out and, and built his life or his dreams or his goals or achieved anything. He hadn't ministered to anyone. And so often in church life, people are living powerless and it is shown in the fact that they don't feel about themselves the love of the Father. They don't feel the love of the Father. They feel guilty. They feel useless. They feel worthless. They live without power. It, it's come to church and I take in the information, but it doesn't become revelation. And without the revelation that you are loved by God, that you are deeply loved by God, that, that there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. And nothing you can do to make God love you more. <laughs> he loves you. See, we think if I, if I do better, I'll be more accepted in God. Then I can really show who I am at church. Then I can really be myself. Then I can really talk freely about God because no one's going to point the finger about, at me about where they saw me or what they, they know about me or who I used to be. So if I just do a few more yards in this Jesus thing, Man, I'll get, myself, I'll get myself down the road. A lot of that stuff's behind me, but then you mess up. And you mess it up bad. And then you say, now I've got to start all over again. No, you're not starting over again. You started when God saved you. 
well, I'm kind of off track. You don't own the track. God owns the track. And the track is he loves you. You're not worthless. You're not useless. You're not a failure. You're not an embarrassment. And he wants to baptize you with his power in that reality, in that truth. That's where it starts. See, what God can do through us has to come back to that revelation. See, we don't want to be, become like half-baked Christians, like, like a cake, not high, like half-baked. <laughs> half I got to clarify. So I can kind of get baked, but I can't? Or what are you saying, Dan? No, hang on. Talking about a cake here. Pastor said I can get half-baked at church today, man. I am going back to this church. Like a half-baked cake, right? You, you can't take a half-baked cake out of the oven and eat it, right? We don't want to be half-baked Christians in the sense that we're, we're in church and we're around the community, but we're not living by God's power. Because here's what happens when we do that. We drag everybody else into our half-baked realities and our half-baked theology and our half-baked power and our half-baked discernment and our half-baked parenting and our half-baked mentalities and our half-baked parenting and manhood and womanhood. We're, we're bringing people one step in when really they should be three steps in. We have to abandon ourselves to the power of God to move in us, to work through us, to do what he wants to do, the infinite more that he has for us. So here's what I want to ask as we close. Do you want that for your life? I want that for our church. I want our church to walk out of these doors, not just empowered in information, but empowered by revelation. That they live with something more that no human can give. that no career can give, that no therapy or counseling can give, that no pastor can give. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can give a fresh baptism in the Spirit. The Bible repeatedly tells us to be filled with the Spirit. See, we receive the Spirit of God when we are saved. We receive His Holy Spirit. But then, throughout Scripture, we're told to be filled with His Spirit. It says, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with God's Spirit. When the disciples <clears throat> in the book of Acts, their lives are, are touched, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they come out into the town square and everybody looks at them and you know what they said about them? Man, these guys are drunk. And they said, we're not drunk, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a joy that these guys were like, have you ever seen somebody just laughing and laughing and laughing? You think, oh man, these guys are toasted. These guys are wasted. That's what they thought about these guys. They thought the disciples, they're, they're out of it. They're blitzed. They're high. They're drunk. They're gone. And they're like, they literally say this, brothers, it's only, it's not even the evening. It ain't happy hour yet. We're not drunk. We are filled with an inexpressible joy. Would you stand up this morning as we honor the presence of God in this moment? morning 
I want to pray that the Lord Jesus would baptize you in his spirit fresh. And I want to preach God's power to you and, not, not, and then not invite you to participate in that and to receive that. And it's as simple as this. We receive what the Lord Jesus Christ has for us, the fullness of what he has for us. Wherever you are in your seat, I'm not going to lay hands on you. I don't have a white coat I'm going to throw at you. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to give you power from on high. I'm going to ask you that his Holy Spirit would fill you, touch you, transform you. And I'm praying that for you. And here's my request to you. Would you ask him to fill you with what is not bread alone, but what comes from his mouth? Jesus tells Peter, man did not teach you this but my father in heaven it was a revelation that Peter got and Peter declared that Jesus was Jesus the son of God the Messiah he said man has not revealed this to you but my father in heaven it's a revelation I believe the father wants to give you this morning and that is you are deeply loved you are accepted in him because of what Jesus has done not what you can do for God not what you have done not what you will do in Christ you're loved and accepted you have a new covenant with Jesus there's a power that comes from that there's truth in that it's not based on what you do it's not based on your upbringing so may the Holy Spirit fall upon you right now in Jesus name May the power of God rest over your heart and your mind and your life. May you be baptized in his Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. May God's fire consume every negative, cynical, demonic, tormenting thought that works to oppress your life and your generation in your home and in your family line. May God loose the hold of the enemy over your family, over your thoughts, and over your life. God, would you baptize fresh and anoint your people for living, for the work you've called them to, and for more. something powerful happens when we just give our yes to God. Yes. See, saying yes to God is not about us controlling what happens after the yes. It's about accepting the reality that we are now sovereignly loved enough to know that God is taking us places that he knows best. It's taken me a long time to learn this. Because I think that saying yes to God means... What's going to happen is what I want to happen. But what's going to happen is what God is going to use to develop you. 
Some of you have been wrestling with your yes. It is holding you back. And there's a yes to say to God this morning. That no man can say for you, no woman can say for you. I can't pray over you. No, you and your yes to God can change everything. closed in just this moment, how many of you would say there's a yes that you're wrestling with or have been wrestling with? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Would you just lift your hand? A yes to God. A yes in this season. A yes you put off. With obedience comes blessing. With obedience comes clarity. With obedience comes provision. With obedience comes a pathway. With obedience comes strength. With obedience comes hope. With obedience comes new eyes to see. So God, let their yes today open the door to the more that you have for their lives. May the obedient steps that people take beyond this yes be the defining moment for them where they see God's power and work like never before. God, may you bring to pass the things that you want to do in and through people's lives. Through the dreams, the hopes, the goals. May people see more of you in everything that they put their hand to. May they look around every corner and see you, Lord Jesus, at every street corner, at every post, at every turn, at every decision, Lord. May they see more and more of you. In Jesus' name we pray. God's people say, Amen. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. There's not a little condemnation. What do we mean by that? Well, I love God, but I still there's a little bit of me. That, hang on a second. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For going to walk in power. We're going to walk in the full acceptance of who Jesus says we are. It starts with believing what he says about us. What he believes about us. Come on, there's what you believe about you. But there's what he believes about us. Amen. May you guys believe and receive everything God revealed to you today. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.